What's up, everybody? Shane Larson here from the Game Time Guru. Super stoked to have you here for another episode. Um, every week, I get really, really excited to share these stories with you, uh, bring on new guests from new parts of the world, new stories and everything. This particular guest, I got to hear speak on stage at a marketing conference called Funnel Hacking Live. He shared his inspirational story, which involves being born with Cruzon syndrome and battling the, the adversities and struggles that come with that throughout his whole entire life. And then he was an elite level wrestler, uh, three-time champion in high school. Uh, he served a church mission, came back. He competed at the collegiate level, had a very successful collegiate experience. And now even later on in his life, he is competing in wrestling tournaments at the national level and now going over for uh, tournaments in the other side of the country, which you'll hear about, or sorry, the other side of the world that you'll hear about today on the show. Unbelievable story today, man. I mean, I'm talking athletes mentality everything that it requires to like get through the adversity and you know what it really takes to be above average when you're competing in your sport um, he's going to give you all the insight so i'm excited for that one but before we get started i want to give a shout out to our sponsor deluca insurance discover the savings at deluca insurance whether it's auto home motorcycle or recreational vehicles we've got your back idaho and when it comes to life insurance Trust a local agent who cares about your best interests. Save today and protect your tomorrow with DeLuca Insurance. Call Kara Lee at 208-813-7273. Massive shout out again to DeLuca Insurance Group for sponsoring the podcast. I greatly appreciate their assistance and their support in this show. Now, like I said, get ready. This is going to be an inspirational one for you on this awesome day. This is the Game Time Guru. So, what time is it? Game time! Boost. This is the Game Time Guru Podcast, where I interview sports figures from all over the world to help deliver a panoramic view on sports. So whether you're a former athlete, one of the crazies, or simply a casual sports fan, this is the perfect show for you, as we peel back the curtains and learn from our guests every single week. I'm your host, Shane Larson, and I'm helping you see sports through a different lens. What's up, everybody? Welcome out to another episode of the Game Time Guru Podcast. My name is Shane Larson, host of the show. We are almost seven years running into the show at this point, and uh, we've had so many amazing guests on this podcast. As you guys heard in the introduction, I am bringing on a guest that really hits deep into my soul because I got to meet him while I was doing my full-time work, which some of you may know, some of you may not know, but I work full-time at a company called ClickFunnels. Um, we were in Orlando, Florida for our annual event that we do called Funnel Hacking Live. Anyway, this guest of ours was on stage, um, pretty much just lighting up the entire crowd the final day that we were there. And I was more than inspired because he has a sports background. And even more than that, there's some perseverance and adversity he's gone through in his life outside of just sports itself. And it's much deeper than that. But I'm more than uh, blessed to have him join me. His name is Ben Karen. Ben is here to uh, share his story. So Ben, thanks so much for joining the show, man. Oh, this is awesome, man. Last week was so cool, so intentional, so on purpose to impact and inspire everybody there. Russell Brunson and team, I mean, they just kill it every single year. And for me to be on that stage and to Jocko Willink and Eric Thomas and Setemagali and, I mean, all these guys, right? Um was just, you know, Garrett White and all these guys were just powerhouses that speak all over the world. Was really, really, 
really humbling, really empowering. And man, that place was packed full of superstars. Man, it was. It was packed. And you had, there was quite the speaker lineup. And you were definitely, in my opinion, uh, the most impactful. I know you probably wouldn't necessarily say that uh, yourself, just knowing how humble you are. But I thought it was the most impactful because it really hit home. And I thought it was super, super cool. So um, I'm really excited to dive into your story, Ben, and just really hear about your your wrestling career and how that's, you know, the things that you've gone through in your life. And I want to start off with the the conversation on Cruzon Syndrome. Uh, you were born with Cruzon Syndrome. Do you mind very briefly, if you, I mean, I'm sure you've heard this a million times over, kind of explaining it for the listeners, uh, just so you're aware, the, the majority of my listeners are athletes and then parents and coaches. So parents of athletes and then the coaches of athletes um, all around the world. So Cruzon Syndrome, can you explain a little bit about what that is? And, you know, you were born with this, which was the beginning of what you could consider adversity, but you took it by the horn. So I just want people to understand what you were, were born with so that they have a little bit of context behind your story. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Cruzon syndrome is a craniofacial anomaly. And what it, um, what it does is it, is it stops the mid part of your face from growing at the same speed as ever, you know, the rest of your face. So there'd be times in my life where I would need to have reconstructive facial surgeries that cut open from ear to ear. They take bones and other parts of my body and place them um you know in my face to have something that was native there so it wouldn't reject it they would have to when they'd move my face forward and put a trach in my throat so i could breathe and function better they would also um you know wire my mouth shut and it was the physical healing that was really tough but what i didn't understand what my parents would come to understand is that the emotional healing would be extremely tough and something that we weren't prepared for. Um, a lot of times you put your a broken wrist or a broken arm in a cast and it heals itself. It just takes time. Same thing with the healing of the face. You, you wire your mouth shut, it takes time to heal, but eventually it heals. It's the mental side that was really tough. And that also went into athletics. Right? How would I prepare mentally? So many of us in athletics, what do we do? We go to the gym, we do the reps, we do one, two, three, four, five reps. What are we doing the mind the mind gym? What are we doing the mind reps? What are we doing that stuff? The stuff that's really the most important, right? Um, but yeah, cruise on syndrome would absolutely impact my life for sure. It's uh it's something that most people won't get to experience, but for what you just said there, it's actually really crazy. Um you wouldn't know now based on what I saw of you on stage and what I'm, you know, just talking to you now that you probably had so many hard things to go through mentally as well as physically uh, growing up. Do you mind sharing with me like what it was like at school? Uh, were, were kids pretty accepting of you where you were from or was it pretty tough for you um, going through school with Cruzon syndrome? It was tough. Um, I mean, just like probably anybody that you meet, um, you you're probably going to be able to uh fit in eventually or just people will come accustomed to you right so with the kid with one leg or a short arm or whatever um, at first it's like wait a minute that kid in my class okay i gotta get used to this when you're around him day in and day out day in and day out it becomes you, you become used to it right so 
it would be oh, so nervous every single year going into the first day of class, first week of school, walking down the hallway. I'd try to get there before the crowds would fill up in the hallways just so, you know, I'd, I wouldn't have to look at everyone. I'd keep my head down and walk down the halls and not try to put my head up. In high school, it was nice because you could wear hats, right? And so you could put your hat on and put it in front of your face or something like that. But eventually... They saw me for my personality. They saw me for who I was as a person, as a character, you know, living by principles and values, not so much by what I looked like. But every day, we'd go to lunch. Every day, we'd go to recess, and you'd have the sixth graders who were a little bit more confident than the third or fourth graders, right? And then the older people or the younger kids who just frankly say what they see. And they're just innocent kids, but they just speak out loud, right? They say the darndest things. And they would often say stuff. But I had some really good friends. I had a really good neighborhood. And I had incredible parents and incredible brothers and sisters who were there. And I didn't really learn this till later when I was more mature. They were there as like shields for me. They would tell me numerous times that they would hear stuff in the hallways or hear stuff in their classes. And then they would set him straight. And then they would say, hey, I'm not little kid's brother. I'm not little kid's sister. So <clears throat> you know what? This is what he has. Or they would you know, go to defend me and have to say, hey, watch your mouth. But yeah, it was hard in a lot of ways. I mean, I'll give you an example. <clears throat> there was a sixth grader growing up when I was in, I think I was in third or fourth grade. And he had a, he had a buzz, I just remember that spiky hair. And he would walk down the hallway, and I remember when he would see me. He'd always look out and say, look at that kid, he has a flat face. That kid has a flat face. That kid has a flat face. And one time, I was so sick and tired of it. And it was in a moment that, I, that was the worst for me. When we were waiting in line to jump in to, to, to grab lunch, I couldn't go anywhere, right? We couldn't, I, I wanted to eat, but I was just standing in line, and he was sitting down on the uh, the lunch table, and he looked up across through me, pointed it out, and he said, look at the fat, flat face, look, everybody look how he looks, look how funny he looks, and I remember in a simple mind thinking, you got to defend yourself, Ben, how are you going to defend yourself against that, and in my innocent elementary mindset, looking at him and pointing at him and thinking that his face looked round, just like everybody else's, right, and saying, hey, round face, look at your round face, look at how funny you look, and, and, and everyone is laughing and, and patting me on the back and thinking I could defend myself in that moment. But it wasn't until I was older that I realized that it shouldn't be eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth anymore, that it really should be turn the other cheek and give love. I believe we have, I call it, I call it uh, focus for five. I believe we have five seconds. It may take some people five minutes, five hours, five days, or five weeks sometimes. Five years, I mean, freak. Dude, think about the people in life that literally haven't talked with their siblings, haven't talked with their mom or their dad, haven't talked with an ex-husband or, 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 or a, a child for five years because they can't get over right? They can't get over forgiveness. They can't get over focusing on not being a victim and choosing the victor mentality. 
but I call it focus for five. And when we focus and hone in to how we react, not with emotion, not with anger, but with poise, with direction, and uh, then life changes. And we learn how to connect with people even when they say stuff we don't want them to say. Dude, that's so powerful, man. Like, I don't even know. I, I, it's, it's hard for like the general public to understand what you were going through, except for what you're sh- saying right there. And honestly, if we want to check ourselves, one of the things I tell my players that I coach, Ben, I'm a, I'm a basketball coach. It's a big philosophy in our club that we do. Like, even though they're in high school, a lot of them are seniors in high school and we travel across the world and we are well, the country, you shouldn't say the world, but we travel across the country, play different teams. We always talk to them about bullying even to this day. And they think it's stupid when we're talking about it. But I think that even as an athlete, I probably did the same thing without even realizing it. But I like, now this kind of hits home a little bit, like really be cognizant. I'm going to show this interview to them because I want them to be cognizant of the things they say, uh, the things they say, the way they treat people, even if they're seniors in high school and they think they're past that. It's like, no, nah, dude, treat people the way you're supposed to be treated. And like you said, you know, turn the other cheek easier said than done, but you take the approach that the savior himself took. And I think that's awesome. And, and it speaks volumes, but I also want to touch base on the fact that you did defend yourself and it kind of speaks to your like, success in the wrestling world so that, that's where i'm going to transition over here as you grew up you know you were you were you know going through just learning the phases of life and having to deal with the different things that came your way in society but this is the thing that i that stood out to me so much was just your accolades from wrestling man uh like it's absolutely wild how successful you are still in wrestling but like you know even back then so talk to me about your wrestling experience you know growing up with Cruzon syndrome when did you decide you wanted to actually wrestle? Like, was sports a big thing in your family? What was the the wrestling, I guess, motivation for you? The wrestling motivation for me was to have an outlet, number one, um, emotional and physical. I believe a lot of labels are placed on people because they don't have outlets. A lot of kids are sitting down in their basements playing games, gaming all day. And then they go in school and they label them as ADD or ADHD. No, it's because they freaking for 10 hours a day, come home and look at a screen and play games. Like, let's be real. It's, it's, that's not what you do in life. And wrestling and exercise and pushing myself, wrestling is a sport or that it's one person versus another person. There's not pads. There's not anything you look behind. And you find out who's worked the hardest, and you find out who's more mentally strong when they're tired. It taught me in the in 5 a.m., 6 a.m. in the morning that I would go and train when I didn't want to train. And I would go and do even with a little chip on my shoulder because I was doing something that I didn't want to do when I didn't want to do it. In college, we'd be hanging out, be hanging out with my girlfriend, my, my fiance till 12, 1 a.m. And then 5 a.m., I'm up to train. And so that's what it taught me. I believe as a youth, parents, if you listen to this out there, listen up. Students, youth, if you listen to this, check this out. You're ahead of 95% of the people out there. If you know how to work hard, not just do what's asked, not the minimum on stage 
last weekend I was talking about this. When my coach told me to do 20 push-ups, you better freaking believe that was the minimum. You don't do us ask. You do more because we ain't freaking average. We do above average. We do extraordinary. We don't do ordinary stuff. That's for the birds, dude. Those, that's for the robots who want to fit in and be normal in life. We ain't normal. That's never gotten you anywhere, right? Great. If you want to be on varsity lineup, if you want to be a starting guy, eh, do average. That may get you there. But I ain't used to being average. And guess what? I'm not going to be average going forward. I don't want to be a starter. I want to be the dude that doesn't get scored on, right? Nationals this year in April. I hadn't wrestled for like 10 years. I go in, I outscore my opponent 64 to 2. Why? Because we don't freaking do average. When people get tired, we put down the pedal. That's when we put on the gas. So if you want to be average, do whatever, do what your coach is telling you, right? If he says, hey, over the weekend, it's Thanksgiving, whatever, after you get done eating, run 10 miles. Don't run freaking. 10 miles and that's the minimum that's the average there's one gold medal given away at the top of the podium baby that's not what we want we don't want to be we don't want to be just average so if you're going to get that gold medal at the top of the podium guess what you know that's given to one person so around the room you better turn around and look and say man everyone else is doing 20 i may need to do more and you better believe you may need to do more and then that's just the physical side Next time you look in the mirror, see what your I am statement is. My man, you brought up Jesus Christ. The perfect example. Here's where we get things wrong. Jesus Christ, being the most perfect person who's ever walked this earth, they say he was meek. They say he was humble. The dude was every bit of that. But let's not get this twisted. When you're kind and you're perfect example and you turn the other cheek, it doesn't mean you're weak. Let me give you an example. If you look in the Bible and you read his I am statements, you all you have to do is listen to the space right after it to find out who this man was. The most meek, the most humble, the most perfect person. What did he say he was? A lot of people think that being humble means you become weak. You don't say things that seem to be cocky or haughty. Man, there's a fine line, is what I'm about to say. There's a very fine line be between, between confidence and cockiness. And Christ was confident. Let's, let's go into that. So Jesus Christ, in the Bible, he said, I am. Bro, do you remember some of the I am statements he said? I'll, I'll, I'll start it off. I am the redeemer of the world. What else do you remember he said? I am the life and light of the world. I am the redeemer of the world. I mean, he, he mentioned a lot of them, man. We can go down the line. I'm the savior. I'm the, I mean, he was the, the beginning and the end. Here's my favorite one. When he was grabbed, basically handcuffed, and then brought into the king of his area. This is my most favorite part because people are like, yeah, let's be confident. Yeah, let's go out there and be somebody. But then the people on the basketball team that you're coaching, the I am statement suck. It's fourth quarter. It's after halftime. They're down. They come out. They're like, oh, we can't do this. We can't do this. But yet every Sunday they go to church and say, let's be like Jesus. Jesus doesn't freaking say, let's don't do this. He literally got taken in with handcuffs, put into the 
area where the king, let's call it the king's courtroom, and then the men around the king would come up to him and spit on him and whip him and talk bad about him and says, hey, you homeless dude who hangs out with 12 crazy dudes. Guess what? Who do you say you are? People say you're the... People say you're the, the, the great I am. People say you're the son of God. People say you're the, the, the bread of life. People say all these things. And then check this out. This is when you know that Jesus Christ was literally the man who he said he was. The most humble man in the world proved that he was also the most confident. When the king of his area came up to him, looked at him straight in the eye, and said, who do you say you are? And at that moment, I could just imagine Jesus Christ looking him up in the eyes with blood and sweat coming down his face. And he would look him in the eye and he would say, I am Jesus Christ, the King of Kings. And in that moment, realizing and having those people in that room understanding who that man was. And so in this life, my friend, here's the deal. Are we called to be humble? Absolutely. Are we called to have confidence? Absolutely. But we're called to be powerful. And we're called to shine. And we're called not to be average, man. And so as we do that, and as we uh, start doing more, and as we start being kind, but still standing for power and standing for strength, other people will see it. I love it, man. And, and it gives me more context and substance to your background a little bit. You know, like you were far from average in your wrestling career. Um, if you look at the sports career side of things, I mean, guys, he's not hard to find. Google him. In the words of Deion Sanders, he's not hard to find. If you Google Ben Care. You'll see, you know, three-time national champion um, in high school. You were dominant. If you just look at like the bio, uh, looking through your actual high school record, 38-0 during sophomore season, 44-4 and as a junior, 43-2 and as a senior. I mean, that was just high school. I want to I touch base on that. You had a mentality. Obviously, you just shared that with us, like a different mentality. Like when a coach says something, this is the minimum. You are not meant to be average. You were always doing more. You had that mentality in college. If you're hanging out with your girlfriend or fiance, you still got up and you did the work regardless if you wanted to or not. I want I want to see if I can just pick your brain, Ben, on the high school side of things. That's a very high level that you were wrestling at. Um, what was an average day for you? And when did you know that you could compete at the next level, by the way? I want to know, like, in your head, like, when did you know? Was it your sophomore year? You're like, oh, I can compete at the next level. I can go to college for this. Like, when did you decide that that was going to be a thing? And what was, like, a day-to-day -day training routine for you? Yeah, no, that's great. Thanks for asking that. Uh, I scheduled my routine into my day on purpose, uh, even through classes. I remember my senior year knowing that I was getting ready to, you know, accomplish some of my dreams. I mean, dude, just my senior year, I was a, I was a five-time national champion. How can you be that? Well, there's a number of different styles. There's folk style, which is a high school style, freestyle, Greco, which is Olympic styles, and you go to a bunch of different tournaments. Um, I did it on purpose, so I scheduled that. So every day, I did something that I couldn't get out of, meaning it was scheduled into my day, meaning it wasn't like a morning run, and then all of a sudden it snows, and you're like, ah, it's too cold. No, you still go to school when it's cold, and you still go to class when it's cold. 
So during those classes every single day, I scheduled a lifting class. So instead of scheduling like an extra, I don't know, uh, whatever you want to call it, whether it's like a sewing class or a uh, gym class or another science class or another elective, my elective, my electives were gym, my, my electives were uh, the weightlifting and training and being on the track. And so I scheduled it into my day and then I would do, um, I would, I would usually do four to five days of training a week. I think it's super important for athletes to understand that rest is also massively important. I think you can easily overdo it and your body heals in the rest period. And we need that. But I would be training 11 times and competing 11, 11 months out of the year. August was my only month off and it was a mandatory off period. But uh, I would train for times and tournaments um, that would take me to those goals. You ask, when did I know that I was right? Well, I just didn't know sometimes. I think a lot of times people don't know and they're like, and they play that out to their advantage. And they're like, ah, I don't know if I'm ready, so I just won't go. No, that's how you find out. I remember going to the national tournaments and getting beat up, beat up and thinking, what am I doing? Like, why am I here taking a trip all the way across the country to, you know, not win that many matches, but then realizing, well, I came here on purpose and realized I'm going to come back and test myself again. And so those of you guys who are out there, you're not sure how you measure up, well, just go and give it a whirl, give it a try. You never know what that looks like until you put yourself out there. Man in the arena. You guys have heard that, right? You're going to put you that, heard that quote. You're going to put yourself out there and be the man in the arena and test yourself. And then guess what? You're going to rebound like a victor, not like a victim. You're going to take losses like learning experiences. I could tell you all my losses I had going through and how they felt. I can't tell you all my wins because I hate losing. But then it's the confidence to understand who you are way before you even step on the mat. For example, I would know that I was going to win even before I weighed in. So in the sport of wrestling, you got to weigh in, right, to compete. And so we'd step on these scales, and I let's say I was wrestling 125, like I did in college. I had to be 125.00. You couldn't be an ounce above. You had to be right on or below. I would know that stepping on that scale, everyone else around me was fighting for second place. And even when I didn't take first place in those tournaments, it was that mentality, continual mentality, to believe I could be there, that got me to that position. Because if you know mentally that you're already behind, if you know mentally behind, uh, if you know mentally already before the tournament even starts that you're not going to win, man, why are we showing up? I'll never forget going in and beating my senior year, beating a, a guy who I was not supposed to beat. And then all these uh, interviewers came up to me and said, Ben, Ben, Ben. Now you're going on, you're going to wrestle this multiple, multiple time All-American. You've lost to him a couple times. What do you think is going to happen? I'm like, these guys are idiots. What do you think I'm going to say? I'm going to lose the next match, five to three? Are you kidding me? I'm going to go in and put this guy in a freaking body bag, baby. Come on, I'm here to win. 
I'm here to take over, man. And if I don't train like that, then you got to switch it up. If you don't have the confidence of going in on the mat, going in on the court, going on the football or baseball field, knowing that you're going to win, it's because you didn't put in the work before. It gives you the – some people right now are asking, well, how do you get that confidence? You get the confidence by putting in the work. Knowing that when your coach says 20 push-ups, you don't do freaking 20 push-ups. And so I went to the Olympic training center. I trained next to these guys. I saw what they ate. I saw the ice cream they were eating after. And that's when I didn't eat ice cream, knowing that, ah, I'm a step ahead. He's one ice cream bowl behind, baby. I was right there when practice started at 8 a.m. I was there at 7.45. He's 15 minutes behind, baby. I know when the coach said go on the line, I would sprint and you would dive, dive, dive to touch the wall. Because you were an arm length ahead of where he was, baby. And then when he left at 10 a.m. after practice, you stayed 15 minutes longer. Because at the end of the five-day week, you times that by 15. Ooh, baby, that's a minute and 15. That's, a, what, 75 minutes or an hour and 15 minutes. 75 minutes longer. And then you times that by four in a month. Oh, my gosh. You're like five hours ahead, and then you times that by the weeks in a year, and all of a sudden, you're days ahead of your training opponent. You're days ahead of your competition, and it takes every day to add the ads up, and that's how you win. Every day, little by little, every day mentality, every day competition, knowing that, guess what? You, you deserve if you put in the work. When you go out there, it's an expectation, an expectation to win. A quick word from our sponsors. Discover the savings at DeLuca Insurance. Whether it's auto, home, motorcycle, or recreational vehicles, we've got your back, Idaho. And when it comes to life insurance, trust a local agent who cares about your best interests. Save today and protect your tomorrow with DeLuca Insurance. Call Kara Lee at 208 813 7273. Again, that's 208-813-7273. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, man. I was just <laughs> I was just like, wow, this is crazy. Cause I, I I'm like taking notes as we're speaking right now. And um I, I always write it down on my phone. I'll look down on my phone and take notes in the notepad, which I always encourage the listeners to do, by the way. This right here, uh, one thing I wrote down, Ben, was compound interest. When I was at this athletic leadership conference in June here at Boise State University here in Idaho, where I live. Um, Coach Chris Peterson, who coached uh, football at Boise State and at, at the University of Washington as well, he was a keynote speaker, and he was talking about compound interest. And he was talking about those little things over time add up. And you literally just gave a real-life example of that. So I just wanted to, like, mention that. I wrote down compound interest. Those little things, 15 minutes before, 15 minutes after, you know, one bowl of ice cream, all those, those add up over time. Everyone thinks it's just one time, one time, one extra pushup adds up over the course of time. You know what I mean? Um, and that's, it obviously speaks volumes to what you were able to do. It built confidence for you in your preparation. I talk to my athletes all the time. Like the reason you don't feel confident is because you did not prepare, but if you've done everything you could possibly do, you can at least go into the the game of what you're ever going to be competing in. And Hey, you live with the results. Cause you know, you did everything you can do, but when you don't do it, you kind of sit back and you're like, ah, there's always this hesitation. You play with a little bit of hesitation because you know you didn't do everything you could. I want to ask you this. Um, cutting weight, you know, is one thing. So 
you're talking about getting down to 125, which is absolutely wild. So when I boxed, I, I fought for Golden Gloves for three and a half years. And when I used to fight, I uh, I fought at 185. And um, I just, I would watch people cut weight. And it's the craziest thing. So 125 is wild to me. Now I'm like, like 230, so it's weird. But what did you walk around at? And did you have any like, I guess, I mean, did you have any skills? Is there like to cut weight? I've heard different wrestlers say different things. So I'm just curious, what were your... Uh, weight cutting experience is like yeah no i appreciate you asking man by the way golden gloves are you kidding me you're one mama jama bad dude <laughs> i was dude that's oh, what wow. i'm talking about that's cool i love that baby that's cool i respect that i respect that uh any competition that requires people to make weight is a competition that's next level there's two battles in there you understood what that meant in boxing you battle the weight scale and then you battle the real battle and they're not much far apart from each other. I mean, I, I, I go to a tournament, I weigh in and literally an hour or two hours later, I'm literally battling fighting. And uh, how do you do that appropriately? Because I did not do it good my whole life. So I literally just, just made weight uh, a few months ago for nationals. I'll need to make weight coming up uh, in a couple of weeks at world championships in Greece. And uh, I do something called the hyperhydrate uh, diet. So what you do is you load yourself with water. So like a sponge, you pour water, 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 water into you and you're full of water, but your stomach is an elastic, right? It's very elastic. It's, it's something that grows and, 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 and shrinks according to how much you eat. Now people, now, people nowadays, I know, you know, go and get surgeries to cut their stomach in half just so they eat half as much. And hence, you know, by default, they eat half as much, they lose weight. You can do that naturally though. If you know about the, uh, what fasting is people have fasted before if you've ever fasted before you're fully understanding what I'm about to say after you've got done fasting you go and sit down to eat your eyes are this big but your stomach's this big and as you go to sit down there to eat you've never been so hungry but yet so full in such a quick amount of time because your stomach shrank it's the same thing here so before you go and sit down and have a meal, drink two glasses of water before you eat. As you drink two glasses of water, you're going to feel more full. And then as you eat, you will not eat as much food and your stomach will shrink. Not only will your stomach shrink and you'll get more full quicker on a little amount of food, which will then lose weight. What you'll also do is increase your health. Well, why? Because as you intake more water, which is one of the best things that you can put in your body, you'll have more bowel movements. You go to the bathroom more. Your urine will be crystal clear, which is very healthy for you, right? Your metabolism speeds up and your pores open up. We carry a lot of sicknesses in our pores, right? In us. But as we have open pores, everything just runs through us. Try going and sweating after you've been drinking a ton of water. You sweat so much and it's super healthy for you. So that's how I would do it. And I'd rebound really quick. And uh, that was the best way to do it. Hyperhydrate, drink a ton of water before each meal.
Wow, man. That's so cool. Uh, that's that's the first time I've heard a wrestler say that specific method. So um, I would encourage wrestlers who are listening to this. I know there's more regulations now than there was when I was in high school. I graduated in 2006 back in back in the day. But um, I remember back then there was kind of like a free for all. And I, I just like people were like I, they have a lot of regulations as to like your hydration test. So I think that would fit more with what they're allowed to do today. And that would be huge. Cutting weights, no joke, man. Some of the, you wrestlers were wild though. Like the boxers weren't nearly as like I don't know. It wasn't it didn't seem as nearly as intense when I'd watch the wrestlers do their thing. I'm like, oh y'all, dude. It, none of that looked like it was even at all fulfilling. But um, you guys love what you do, and that's what I, I have a massive respect for it. Now, Ben, real quick, I, I know in the bio that you know your part of your story is you served a mission, and and I too served a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. And what's interesting about it, and the reason I bring this up, is because. On my mission, Ben, I lost a lot of weight. I happened to serve in Brazil. And so during the two years I served my mission, I lost a ton of weight. Like I was like not athletic at all when I came home. I was like 170 pounds stick figure when I came home. But it's just because of where I served. And so I always have a massive respect for um, athletes who come home from missions and still compete at a very high level at the next level when they get home. And it, it seems like it's just so common. People talk about it like, Oh, you go to BYU or you go to this, they hear about these like return missionaries. And like, it's just normal for them to come and play sports. For me, I was like, dude, I have a lot of respect for guys who do that because when you're two years removed, it's not just like you pick it up, but um, how did you transition from the mission to the, the collegiate wrestling? And, and I guess like, how did you get yourself back on track to make sure that you were like ready to rock and roll? Yeah, great question, dude. Um, I got back in May and school started in, I think I reported to school in August sometime. And uh, our season started in October, November. Um, so I had a decent amount of time. I had, you know, five months roughly, six months almost for me to kind of rebound. Granted, when you take two years off, and I just didn't take two years off, I took three years off because I had a surgery and I had to heal from that surgery. So I took three years off of basically not, well, yeah, not competing at all. From being a five-time, you know, national champion to taking, you know, to being one of the top in the country my first year in college where I went to Oklahoma University as a Sooner. And then transferring over to Utah Valley University three years later, coming closer to home. And I'll never forget how God helped me out. Because when you haven't wrestled and you haven't competed in, let's say, man, three and a half years, um, you feel it. But I'll never forget wrestling in one of my first tournaments, which was that fall of when I got back in 2006 um, from my mission. And I wrestled the guy who was from Nebraska and I was beating him. And man, he came back and got a takedown in the last second, I lost. He went on to go win nationals that year. I was right there. I was right there. I was redshirting, so I wasn't competing in nationals myself, but I was literally right there. That's how quick you can bounce back. It's a big mental thing. Of course, it's of course it's uh, it's physical too, but it's mental. Your mentality is going to stop, you know, before your body's, you know, before your body will. Your body can go a long way if your mentality gets out of the freaking way. 
And so you guys who are taking some time off from injury or whatever it is, or you're coming into a sport for the first time, or you're coming back from a service mission, right? Or the army or the military. Now you're important, you're important to um, collegiate wrestling or collegiate athletics. You have the opportunity to push your body beyond what you could imagine. As long as your mentality can stay in check. And if your mentality can stay in check, mm, like your body will go a long way before it dies. That's so awesome. And I'm grateful for you sharing that. There's a lot of athletes that I'm around here, especially in the state of Idaho, but um, they go on church missions or they go and do something else and they might take a year or two to, to get into their sport and they be, or they get injured. Uh, injuries are a mental grind in and of themselves. And uh, it really takes a lot out of some athletes if they're not ready for it. So you sharing that is huge. I want the people listening to this to rewind that and listen to it again. Just rewind it. You know, whatever po podcast device you're listening to this on, if you're on your phone, cool. Just hit the rewind button for like 15, 20 seconds. Listen to it again and take notes. That's the beauty of these shows. So, uh, Ben, one of the things that keeps coming to my mind, and when I was listening to you on stage, I wondered this, you know, you battled with like, we talked about at the beginning, the different perceptions of people, you know, bullying from different kids, this and that. Did you ever experience that in the wrestling world? Because you were kicking everyone's butts uh, to keep it edited here, but you were keep you're killing everyone. Like you're just thrashing most people that you're competing against. But did you ever experience other wrestlers, you know, seeing your condition and, you know, talking about that prior to the matches or anything of that nature? Or did you feel like throughout your wrestling career, you had a pretty much a wide respect amongst all the rest of the, the people competing. Yeah. I, I think every time you start, uh, something, you're going to get the feedback from people, you know? Um, and so it doesn't mean you stop when I went into elementary and in high school and everything like that, just like I had mentioned before, people are going to judge you. People are going to you know, say what they think they're, they're seeing or, or uh, thinking, but at the end of the day, you get to show up and you get to prove yourself. And you're going to show people that you're not going away. And you're going to show people that you're just not going to show up to, to be a part. You're there to really take, take, uh, take a piece of it. You're there to take over, baby. And so uh, I would just say every time that you're going into something new, I don't know what that is, whether it's scholastics, whether it's school, whether it's your job, whether it's church, whether it's anything that you have and hobbies or whatever that is, go in knowing that you have the opportunity to shine if you put in the work and you go in with the right mentality. And when you lose, it's a learning experience. And so you remember what that feels like. It stings. I hate losing. I hate losing more than I like winning. And so when you go in there, know that you can always come back. And it only stops when you quit. Sometimes some of the guys I coach, so I, I'll go in, I'll coach uh, Utah Valley University Wrestling. It's the only program in all of Utah uh, D1. And some of these guys, it's early on in the season. They're having two-a-days. It's like a lot for them. And sometimes their coaches are like, never give up, never give up. And it's like, oh, my gosh, that's overwhelming. We don't have nationals till the end of March. But I, I restructure that. I'm like, listen, it's not about just never giving up. It's about in the sport of wrestling, only giving up second. And they're like, what? I'm like, literally, you have to give up second. 
So if they do five moves, you literally just have to do one more move. Right? You keep going until they give up. And then you can give up. But at that point, you've already won the match. So a lot of times people think that, oh, we have to go forever. No, we just have to go one more. We just have to go one more. And that should, when I heard that, I'm like, man, I can do that. I can push myself until that person gives up. That's okay. I don't know if I can do this forever, but I could do it just that, just long enough. And that gave me some hope and gave me some effort and energy to be able to do the work. I freaking love it, man. I absolutely love it. You know, Ben, one of the things you said too, and this is what stood out to me so much about you is that you referenced Ed Milet from last year at, at the same event that you just spoke at, which is at Funnel Hacking Live. You referenced one of his things that stood out to me too last year. I was actually sitting in the back tables as a staff member listening to his talk on a Saturday morning because it was a little bit less strenuous for the staff members that day. And the most insidious um, form of child neglect is a parent that doesn't live up to their full potential. And he went through his, his story on that. And you talked about how that hit you. I'm like, oh, dude, I was the same way. Because like last year, even as a staff member, I had a transformation there too. I was like, oh boy, like, there's some things I got to make sure I'm showing my kids every single day and this and that. And one of the things that stood out to me about what you did is, you know, you just, you shared the story um, and I don't want to give away all your, your talking points because that's part of your, you know, speak, speaking, you know, stuff that you do, but um, just basically sharing how, you know, you started to wrestle again and in the, in your mid thirties, you started to wrestle again. And like you just referenced a little while ago, you're wrestling in nationals and, and doing worlds and all this stuff. Now you're competing at a very high level again in your mid thirties. Um, and that's actually a goal. I told my wife, weeks and weeks ago, like I'm 35 now, but I told my wife this weeks and weeks ago, Ben, before I ever heard you talk that I want to have another boxing match. I haven't competed for almost 17 years now. Like I train, but I haven't actually competed. And so I said, I want to have another boxing match. And I was like, and, and she doesn't want me to get my face rearranged, but I'm like, just let me go. I want my kids to at least see me whether I win or lose. I don't care. I need to train for something and do something hard. Cause I'm like, I feel like I'm scared to do it, but I want to do it. I heard you talk. And I said, okay, like, this is, I got, I, I got to do it. I'm, I'm finding a gym and I'm going to do it. But I want to know from your perspective, man, first off, I want to say thank you for that. Cause it just kind of aligned that way. I was like, Holy crap, dude. Like he has no idea who I am, but like, this is like lining up with what I want to do. So competing again at your age, after having not competed for what you said was about 10 years, um, what in the mentality side of things and just not just the physical side of things where you have to like get your body physically ready mentally, how have you been able to do that, Ben? Because if, if you can do it at this age, anybody can do it. I'm not saying you're like a grandpa, you're in your mid thirties, but it's like, you got back to it and you keep the mindset. Um, well, I guess talk to us about what that requires of you at this age to be able to compete at a very high level. You outscored your opponents. What'd you say? 66 to two earlier or 64 to whatever you said earlier. Like that's wild, bro. Like it's absolutely insane. So I just want to kind of dive into your mindset as we finish up the interview. Yeah, no, dude, I love that. By the way, dude, how cool would that be when you – how many kids you got? I got three children, man, a seven-year-old, a three-year-old, and a one-year-old. Well, I got three kids, four, four, and three. And I'm going to tell you, you're going to be able to get in that ring and box. And it won't matter how you do it, you're right. But you're going to be able to get in there, and you're going to do this. You're going to have a superpower because your kids are in the corner. 
and you're going to hear your kids in that corner. Yo, go daddy, go daddy, ah, smash him dad, smash him. And just like you heard in that video that I did on stage. And when you hear that out of the corner of your ear, you're going to have such an energy and such an internal, that I have it for literally right now, I got chills. You're going to have such an internal superpower come out of you. Come out of you that you're going to be able to have this incredible experience. And just like the movie Rocky Balboa, when he lost, when he won, whatever, in the movie Rocky, it won't matter. But your kids will have cheered for you. And you will have put it on the line. And just like we don't really care if our kids win or lose, as long as they put forth top effort, it will be the same. Think about it. When was the last time your kids cheered your name? I had literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people come up to me after that speech. And they said, Ben, when you showed that video, I was in tears. One of your colleagues who was one of my concierge when I was out there, literally had to leave the room because he was bawling so badly. And I heard a time and time again, Ben, I don't know the last time my kids cheered me on. Bro, I appreciate you saying I'm in my mid-30s because I do look that sexy. Brother, I, I'm uh, I'm 40 years old, baby. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't realize how old you were. I just assumed uh, mid-30s. I'm 40 years old, and I want to tell you this. When I heard that, and the wrestling season just got over, and I yelled, moved from the corner, do this, do that. And they're like, yeah, whatever, Dad. You're just Dad. But when they saw me compete, they saw me do the moves that I had told them to do. Life changed for them. They, they are now three years old, four years old, and four years old, going to jump on a plane with me in two weeks, fly across the world to Greece, which is the most inconvenient thing for me to do, <laughs> right? That is not convenient for me. Four, four, and three, that will not be fun. But as we do this, It'll be a superpower that I will have. And they will be in the stands amongst all the Iranians, amongst all the Russians, amongst all these guys from Azerbaijan and all these guys from Mongolia. And they will cheer and I will hear their voice and I will make them proud. Whether I'm on the podium or not, do I plan to be a world champ? You better freaking believe I plan to be a world champ. But it won't matter to them because they will see dad compete. They will see dad show up. They will see dad make weight and they will see dad thrive. They will see dad living his dreams and they will cheer him on. And then they will be given permission to do the same. And not just permission, but direction. That's the problem. 
us as parents. Yes, you can go do this. Yes, I have the money to go put you on the plane there. Yes, you can do these things. But then they don't know how to do it because their parents don't freaking do it. And that's where we give them neglect. That's where we do not serve them. That's where we're coming short for our children. And I speak having gone through it. I speak not with a judging eye to those who aren't. I speak with a a voice of warning saying I've seen the change in my own family. I've seen the change in my life. And I've seen the change of fulfillment. And, uh, man, it's a beautiful thing. So tell you what, bro, I need to know when you're fighting because I want to be there next to your kids and just watch them cheer you on and just have that, that, that capture. I want to capture that moment in my mind. And if someone could have a video just to partake and capture that, because that's something that would literally is your living legacy and they won't remember everything in life but they will never forget ever forget their dad competing man i'm gonna be in contact with you ben because i'm looking forward to it i you gave me the motivation the extra little oomph when i heard that on on saturday so i just hope you know i respect you a ton as a as another human being and yes i'm glad i i you know at least i was wrong on your age on a good way. Right. So at least I gave you some years on the good side. Hey, um, let us know. I want to share this in the link here. The show has been downloaded in 180 countries, all 50 States. So we have listeners from all around. A lot of them are in the athletes world, but I got people in the business world too. So I want to know where can we find more about you? Cause if, if a coach or someone who's listening to this would love for you to speak at their school, or if there's a business owner that wants you to speak for them, um, where can we find out more about your speaking engagements and what you guys do there? My website is bencare.com. It's B-E-N-K-J-A-R.com. B-E-N-K-J-A-R.com. It's just my first and last name. On there, you'll be able to uh, get in contact um, with my team. You can go in there under the tab of event planners, and it will go step by step by step. uh, What we need to do to get me to your organization, to your company, to whatever it is you guys are doing. Because guys, we are all enlightened and we are all blessed to be us. And the moment that we buy into that and stop faking everybody else version 2.0, everybody else's shadow, is the moment that we freaking shine. Stop pretending, man, and start presenting who you really are. I've done that. And the more I continue to buy into who I am, buy into my uniqueness, buy into how rare I am, buy into how much I stick out and stand out, then I feel alive, man. I don't feel like an imposter anymore. I feel like I'm I'm like fulfilling like why I'm here. And as we do that, then it's, man, life gets so good, so much more fulfilling. Not easier, for sure not easier, but we become stronger. So I would love to connect with those people who want someone to light them up, want someone who pour light and fire into their souls to allow you to do uh, more than what you're even doing. 
Man, I speak from experience. Uh, for those who are listening, uh, I hope you guys can trust me. If you're listening to my show, and you've been following me. I can speak from experience. Ben knows how to light up a room. That's the best way to put it. He lights it up. And uh, if you guys want him to come over there, I'll put that in the description, bencare.com, how it's spelled and everything. And you can just follow the instructions of what he just said to to get in contact with his team. I would highly encourage it. And uh, Ben will be rooting for you uh, as you go over and you continue to compete. And um, I'll be in contact with you later. But I hope everybody enjoyed this interview. I appreciate everyone tuning in. Make sure all I ask from you guys is to make sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you can leave us a review or even on Spotify, it helps to get out to more and more people. That's all I ask. And uh, hit that subscribe button because we'll be coming to you next week with another interview. Take care. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars and leave me a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.